0: Hey everyone, welcome to Grace Community Church of Willow Street's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged with our church, check us out online at gccws.net or you can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. We are praying that it leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Perfect. What do I do? <laughs> When we talked about this Mother's Day worship service and celebration, we decided that we wanted to ask the pastor's wives if they would each take a turn and share the tribute and also lead in prayer and their children as well with them. And so it's been a privilege. Uh, Last night, Alyssa Roberts gave the tribute. She's the wife of Pastor Addison Roberts, our digital ministries pastor. Then at 8 o'clock, Carrie Brubaker, the wife of Steve Brubaker, our counseling pastor. At 9.15, Kim Yorty, John Jordan, and also Megan joined her in giving the tribute, and Kim is the wife of Jarrett Yorty, our care pastor, and now thank you so much, Jen. Jen Weitzel, the wife of our associate pastor, Paul Weitzel, and her daughter, Madeline, were here, and we're so grateful for sharing the tribute and leading us in prayer today. And a happy Mother's Day to each and every one of you. I got myself into trouble at the end of the 915 service by saying to all the men, now you go home and do exactly what you're told. Cook, clean, do the wash, iron, wash the baseboards in your living room. Boy, did I get in trouble at that point. Anyway, I won't say that again here, although I just said it, so there you go. <laughs> Last night, Jenny and I had a wonderful experience. We went to Lititz to the banquet, uh, 150th anniversary banquet of our Trinity E.C. Church in Lidditz, where I had the opportunity to share the the message. And I did a little research about our Lidditz congregation and found out that they have an ice cream tour every summer from May through September and every other week they go to an ice cream place and they just invite anybody who wants to show up and have ice cream. But I found the list online and I noticed that every single ice cream place on their list is in northern Lancaster County. So when I got there last night, I went to the leader of the ice cream group, and I said, hey, what's with this? We have a wonderful ice cream place in New Danville called Pineview Dairy. Don't you ever venture out of Lidditz and Mannheim to come a little south? And he said, no, our people won't drive that far. That's too far to go. I said, that's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. So when I began to speak, I said, I just want to share with you that I know you have an ice cream group and I know that you travel around. And I was gonna invite you all to come to Pineview Dairy in New Danville, and I was gonna treat and pay for everybody, but I find that you can't drive that far. So sorry you missed that opportunity. <laughs> At the end of my message, when they thanked me, the leader got up and said, We've decided. And then he said, now, mind you, normally they get 15 people in one of these ice cream outings. How many of you would like to go to Pineview Dairy? And there were hands all over the crowd of hundreds. On the way out today, we're taking an offering that will help me to pay for the ice cream for all the people I promised to treat from Lidditz. Fortunately, at the very end, he said, and we won't hold you to it. And I said, thank you, I wasn't gonna pay anyway. But anyway. (laughs) You can have a little fun with brothers and sisters in Christ, especially from the coolest town on earth in Lidditz. I want to welcome you today to the third week of exploring the truth about eternity. Now today, I want to try to correct a misunderstanding, a common misunderstanding, even a mistake that we have about eternity. Most people, when they hear the word eternity, immediately their minds go to the future, Eternity is someday, not now. It is about heaven, not earth. It is about the afterlife and not this life. And that, friends, is absolutely not true. According to the authority of God and his word, your eternal life began the day that you trusted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of your life. When you confess him as Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, on that day, your eternity began. Began. It is very true. Think about it, if you will, whether you realize it or not. On that day, you stopped living your life for the moment and you started living your life for eternity. On that day, a seismic shift of focus and perspective took place in your life. This world that we live in is no longer all that matters to you. Eternity matters. And because eternity matters, you should live like it. Eternity. Begins now. now, that truth is woven all through the New Testament, but one of the clearest and boldest expressions of that truth is found in the Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Colossae, Colossians chapter 3, four simple sentences, verses 1 through 4. I want you to read them with me, reading together Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. Since then... He's actually addressing Christians in this ancient city of Colossae, Christians who are really under the gun, if you will. They're under a tremendous amount of pressure to believe all kinds of false theology, false theology, things that are not rooted and grounded in Scripture. And so what Paul does in these four sentences is he seeks to reset the minds and the hearts of the Colossian Christians, and in doing so, to reset our minds and hearts and get us with an eternal perspective, looking to the right place in life, not to this earth, but to Jesus Christ. And he does that by telling us three things. First of all, he tells us about who we are. Secondly, he tells us about how we should live because of who we are. And thirdly, he tells us what we can expect in the future because of who we are. So let's begin. Who are you? If you are a Christian today, If you are sitting here in this sanctuary and you have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of your life, then according to verses 1 through 3 of Colossians chapter 3, you need to understand that first of all, you have died with Christ. Secondly, you have been raised with Christ. Thirdly, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now because this is expositional preaching and our purpose is to take apart the scriptures so that when you leave here you walk out and you understand exactly what the word of God says, I wanna take it apart with you this morning and I wanna explain all of those phrases to you. If you are a Christian, first of all, you have died with Christ. Here is what we understand to be true. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died for the sins of the world. When he hung on that cross, He bore in his physical body the sins of the entire world, which means that he bore your sins and he bore my sins in his body on the cross. So, on the day that you are awakened to your need of a Savior, on the day when you realize that you are a sinner, that Jesus is the one and only Savior, when you confess him as Lord, when you confess that you are a sinner, when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you receive him on that day, You are appropriating to yourself the benefits of his death on the cross. You are expecting and receiving from him the forgiveness of your sin, the cleansing of the unrighteousness of guilt and shame, and you are experiencing the breaking of the power of sin over your life. Because Christ died for you, if by faith you receive him, you die with him, meaning that you die to your sin. But it doesn't end there. Praise the Lord. Amen? Because you go on to be raised with Christ. Now, here is what is so beautiful about that truth. Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 2, verse 12, that when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. In Romans chapter 6, verse 4, Paul writes, Just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Listen, as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, so in when we trust in Jesus, when we believe that he is who he says he is, that God by his power raised him from the dead, when we receive him by faith into our lives, he does an amazing work, and it is as if he raises us up from the deadness of our sin and he gives us a brand new life, a resurrected life to live not in our own power but in the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. If you're sitting here today and you're a Christian, you have died with Christ, you have died to your sin. If you're a Christian today, you have been raised with Christ, you have been raised to a new life in Christ. The beautiful imagery of immersion baptism is that when we immerse someone and we baptize them by immersion and they go down into the water, it is, a, it is an image of the person dying to their sin and being buried. And then when they come up out of the water, it is the image of being raised to new life, the new life they have in Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian today, you have died to your sin. If you're a Christian today, you have been raised with Christ. Now listen, there's a third phrase here. If you're a Christian today, your life has been hidden with Christ in God. Now let me just admit to you that this phrase in Colossians chapter 3 is a tough one. And I would read that over the years and think, what in the world does it practically mean that my life is hidden with Christ in God. That's sort of secretive. It's sort of mysterious. Is this like a heavenly hide and seek and we're only going to learn about it when we get there? Not at all. Let me tell you what this phrase means. This means that when you become a Christian, you receive a new identity. And every other identity that you have in life gets wrapped up in this new identity. And this new identity is your identity as a follower of Christ, a Christian. So let me illustrate that from my own life. I have a lot of identities in life. And that's not a psychological diagnosis, by the way. I have a lot of identities in life. Because I still live in the community in which I grew up, and because I'm such a young man as it is, um, well, 60, but soon to be anyway, there are still a lot of people here who say to me, are you Kenny Sigmund's son? Are you Ken and Flo's son? Yeah, that's who I am, that's one of my identities. I'm the son of Ken and Flo Sigmund. Now I also have the identity as Jenny's husband. I have the identity as the father of four daughters. I have the identity, more and more, as Katie's father. People in Lancaster County seem to know me now as Katie's father instead of Katie as Mike's daughter, which is okay, it sometimes happens that way. I also have the happy experience from time to time of someone stopping and saying, are you Cam's grandpa? And oh my goodness, every button I have bursts off my shirt at that point. Yes, I am Cam's grandpa. Some people will say to me, oh, wait a minute, you're the pastor Of Grace Community Church the one that's there behind behind giant no that's John Smith he's the pastor of Grace Church of Will Valley oh you're the one on Peach Bottom Road we have takes a while to get around there yes that's the one I'm the pastor of occasionally when I'm out and this happens actually a lot people will stop and they'll look at me and they'll simply say Rollinsville camp meeting now I'm not that big that I should represent the entire camp meeting but that's an identity that I hold and carry with me because of years of serving there. I also have the identity, and many of you, if not all of you do too, you're Americans, and I am too. We're Lancaster Countyans, and so there's another identity. Now, what it means for our lives to be hidden with Christ and God is that by surrendering my life, the life of Mike Sigmund to Jesus Christ, I take on a new and primary and identity in my life. And that identity is that of Christ follower Christian. Every other identity that I have just mentioned in my life gets wrapped up into that one identity of Christian. Every other relationship that I have in my life gets wrapped up into that one relationship, which is my relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, let me explain this. My life is now hidden with Christ and God. I am a husband who is first a Christian a father who is primarily a follower of Christ. I am a Christian papa. I am a Christian pastor. I am a Christian American. I am a Christian who lives in Lancaster County. Every one of my identities is now preceded by the one identity that is of greatest importance in my life. And that is my identity as a follower of Jesus Christ. When you became a Christian, you surrendered to Jesus all the rights and privileges of living life the way you want to live your life. I like to think of it this way. When you are not a Christian, when you are not yet a follower of Jesus, you tend to live life with clenched fists. This is my life. This is my will. I will do what I want. I will make my own decisions. And when you come to that place where you recognize your need of a savior and you bend your knee to Jesus Christ as Lord, it is as if you open your hands and you say, not my will, but yours. Not my ways, but your ways. Jesus, I am going to surrender my life to you, my life as a husband, as a father, as a papa, as a pastor, as a member of Rollinsville Camp Meeting, as a neighbor to the folks that live around me in my neighborhood, as an American citizen, as a Lancaster Countyan. I will surrender it all to you and I will begin to live out my identity first and foremost in Christ. Paul says in Colossians 3.11, that when you are a Christian, Christ is all and is in all. That means every other identity that you and I have, literally, can you imagine this, falls in line behind your identity as a Christian. Here is Jesus, and every other identity falls in line behind your identity as a Christian. Being in Christ is of first importance in your life. Now, that leads the Apostle Paul to a second point. And this is basically what he says. If this is who you are, then you ought to act like it. You ought to act like it. I love how Eugene Peterson in his Biblical Paraphrase the message interprets Colossians 3:1. He writes this, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, if you're serious about being a Christian, then for goodness sakes begin to act like it. Live like it. Talk like it. Think like it. Interact with others like you're serious about Jesus being first importance in your life. Remember, when you became a Christian, a seismic shift of focus and perspective took place in your life. The world is no longer all that matters to you. From that point, eternity matters, and you should act like it. Christians need to live with an eternal perspective on life. Now, when a preacher says that, there's always a certain percentage of people who are listening who get a little nervous about that because what comes to some people's mind is that Christian who is so heavenly-minded that, frankly, they're no earthly good, okay? Another way to put it is they're weird, okay? That's just kind of the summary of it all. What are you talking about? Well, let me explain. My grandparents had, had an acquaintance, a couple that they were acquainted with. And every once in a while, that couple would stop by their home unannounced and uh, come to visit. And, and I spent a lot of time with my grandparents, and I was there often when they would come by. And, and the woman was just very normal. And she loved the Lord, but, you know, could carry on a normal conversation. And, and you know, if we'd, they'd serve pie, you know, she'd, she'd be... You know, very thankful, and she eat her pie, and you know, it's just very normal. The fellow, all he could do was quote scripture. So when Grandpa would raise the issue of how the Phillies were doing, he would have three verses from the Bible about baseball. I don't know where they came from, frankly. I could never find them. You know, maybe from the Book of James, where they wail and cry and you know, gnash their teeth. I don't know, but he would always have scripture. When we'd sit down and we'd have a piece of pie, it was always like a sermonette about how God provided the blueberries and the dough and everything else, and you could never have a normal conversation. Now, here's what happens. Sometimes when we talk about being Christians with an eternal perspective, we go immediately to that radical kind of image of the person who really can't interact normally with people yet also be a Christian. I'm not talking about that radical kind of approach. I'm talking about living a normal life, but with a perspective that is counter to the culture in which we live. And I believe with all my heart, it is possible to do that. That you can look normal, and you can talk normal, and you can live normal, while honoring Christ and not giving in to the whims and the ways of the culture. How do we do that? Look at what the Word of God says. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. The Apostle Paul says, Set, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Okay? So in this passage... What Paul is saying to us is Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the throne of God in heaven. We understand that to be true because we know that on the 40th day after his resurrection, Jesus ascended to the right hand of the throne of God in heaven. It is called his ascension, his exaltation. He is seated in the place of supreme authority and highest honor. Every year, no matter when Easter falls, count 40 days. And on the 40th day after Easter, Ascension Day is celebrated. In most of the world, Ascension Day goes by and nobody knows that it even happened. In Lancaster County, especially in the eastern part of the county, everybody knows it happened. Because interestingly, in the plainest of our communities, Amish, Amish Mennonite, and conservative Mennonites, Ascension Day is considered one of the holiest days in their church calendar. Business stops, stores close, roadside stands close up. Not a single Amish girl makes a flower arrangement. Most amazing thing that happens on that particular day because it is a high and holy day. Why is that? Because Christ is exalted to the highest place. No one greater, no one higher than the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you know his name. His name is? Jesus. And this is what Paul says. If you want to live with an eternal perspective in your life, you need to get to know Jesus. And the way you get to know Jesus is you set your heart on things above. You set your heart on Jesus Christ. In other words, you do everything you can to get to know who he is. Get to know how he thinks. Get to know how he acts and behaves and how he treats people that he interacts with in life. And as you get to know Jesus, begin to model Jesus Christ in your life. Colossians 3.1 is all about getting to know jesus when you walk in the front doors of grace community church now and you are confronted with that big wall on that wall is the mission statement of grace community church you know what it says helping people know and follow jesus the way you get to know jesus is by initially coming into relationship with him confessing jesus christ as lord believing that god raised him from the dead admitting that you're a sinner and by the grace of god through faith that god gives you trusting Jesus and receiving his gift of salvation. When you make that decision, then your life is transformed and then you go on to continue to grow deeply in your relationship with Jesus. You don't know it all. You're only beginning to know and you have a lifetime to get to know Jesus Christ. What a joy and privilege it is to get to know him. But secondly... If we are to live with an eternal perspective, look at what Paul says in Colossians chapter three, verse two, because then Paul says, set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. Set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. Now that almost seems the same as Colossians chapter three, verse one, but it's not. Because now what Paul is saying is beyond getting to know Jesus, I also want to make sure that you understand that it's important to put your mind where it should be, not in the gutter, but in the glory of God's word and his life in Christ. The earthly things that we're told to avoid, they are not material things. They are not the relationships that we have with those that we love. The earthly things that Paul's talking about in Colossians chapter three, verse two, are the sinful things that are listed in verses five through 10 of Colossians chapter three. What Paul is saying to us here is, set your mind on things above. Do not let your mind go in the gutter. Do not allow yourself to be consumed by those things that are impure and immoral and greedy and ungodly. My goodness, you need to extract yourself from those things. And as you do, by confessing them and asking Jesus to wash you and clean you from those things, then you need to set your mind on the things that are above, the things that please and honor the Lord. What are those things? Look, if you would, at verses 12 through 17. They're the things that are lovely, the things that are kind, the things that are compassionate, the things that are peaceful. You need to set your mind on forgiving others, not avenging yourself with others. You need to set your mind on, on reading God's word, on worshiping the true and living Christ, you need to do everything that you do in the name of Jesus Christ to the glory of God the Father. And and so really what this verse talks about is the actual practical day-to-day way that we live our lives. And, And essentially what Paul is saying is everyone here who is a Christian should live one way whether people are looking or they're not whether they're watching or they're not. You know, I had a a friend of mine in Baltimore who said to me one time, there are too many Christians who live double lives. They live one way when they're with their Christian friends. They live another way when their Christian friends aren't there or when no one is looking. And what Paul says is, stop it. You live one way and you live that way 24 hours a day, seven days a week, You are a follower of Jesus Christ, therefore set your mind on the things that are above and live in that way so that he alone is pleased. I love how English commentator William Barclay expresses this truth when he writes, The Christian will go on using the things of this world, but he will use them in a new way. Now listen to this. He will, for instance, set giving above getting— serving above ruling, forgiving above avenging. The Christian's standard values will be God's, not men's. And from now on, the Christian will see everything in the light and against the backdrop of eternity. With eternity in view, we are called to live differently in this world. I wanna remind you of something that's very important today. And, And if you're taking notes, write this down. If you are a Christian, you are a citizen of heaven. And that citizenship outweighs any other citizenship that you have. It is of higher and greater importance than even the citizenship we have as Americans. There is no citizenship that is able to deliver to you eternal blessings except the citizenship that you receive as a gift when you believe in and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? And so the way I live out my life is that the most important citizenship of Mike Sigmund's life is to be obedient to Jesus Christ. He is my king. He is my Lord. Now, I understand that we have earthly rulers. I know that. Next week, week after next, we'll have primary elections to choose from a whole slate of individuals for a variety of offices. In November, we'll have general elections. Let me tell you something. In light of eternity, those elections are meaningless. They are meaningless because... There is a ruler who is sovereign over all and has power far and above any ruler that we could ever select by our election process, and that ruler is named Jesus. That ruler is named Jesus. You say, well, Mike, we have to have earthly rulers. Absolutely, we have to have earthly rulers. Let me tell you something I heard the other day. There is a Senate race right now in Pennsylvania And one of the candidates has, as of the middle of last week, spent $70 million to win a place as the candidate in the primary election. Now, what I'm going to say right now is my personal opinion. In my opinion, that is sinful. $70 million dollars. When in our commonwealth, there are people struggling to put food on their table. There are children who desperately need to have assistance and tutors and help in our schools. There are enormous needs within our culture. Not to mention what $70 million could do for the kingdom of God and the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, you get elected senator, you serve six years, you make enough enemies, and then you're not elected again. That's not eternity. That's earthly, that's temporal. We participate in that system because it is the only system we have broken as it is. We hope for the best, we pray for our leaders. But I'll tell you where my hope is, I'll tell you where my eyes are. They are on Jesus Christ. Because he is the only one who can fix the mess that we're in in the world in which we live. Only Jesus can do that. And so as a citizen of heaven, I have to have my eyes fixed on him. So who are you? You have been raised with Christ because you first died with him to your sin. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. So you need to act like it and live like it and, and behave like a, a citizen of God. Of heaven. But then that leads to one more truth. And I love how the Apostle Paul puts it. And this is what he essentially says, just wait. Just wait until Jesus Christ comes again. Because look at verse 4 of Colossians chapter 3. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Friends, there is coming a day when Jesus Christ will come again in his glorious body. He will appear, and everyone who is in Christ will appear with him in bodies that are like his glorious body. The Apostle John writes in John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, We know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. There is this great motivation to live with an eternal perspective because of who we are. But another reason we live with an eternal perspective is because of where we're headed. And if you're a Christian, there will come a day when you will be raised, your body raised and united with your soul. And in a brand new glorious body, you will live and reign with Jesus Christ forever and ever. And the motivation to live now with an eternal perspective is to get in training now for your life in heaven. Train now for your life in heaven. This teaching today has huge implications for how we live our lives in 2022 and beyond. When you become a Christian, a seismic shift of focus and perspective indeed takes place in your life. The world is no longer all that matters to you. Eternity matters and you should act like it. And every Christian needs to live with an eternal perspective of, on life, Because it's Mother's Day, I want to wrap this message up with a very specific application, however. And I want to talk right now to every parent who is in this room, and especially to the parents of children who are being raised and are still in school. The most important gift that you can give to your children, moms and dads, is to surrender first your lives to Jesus Christ and make him of first importance in your life as a mom and a dad. And then secondly, to lead your children to surrender their lives to Jesus Christ so that your children make him of first importance in their lives. I'm not talking today about raising children who have no involvements in sports or, you know, no achievements in school. I'm talking about raising children who first and foremost love Jesus Christ. And so when they're playing soccer, they're kids who are Christian kids playing soccer. When they're achieving outstanding things in school and being inducted in National Honor Society and graduating with honors, they're Christian kids who are making significant advances and pursuing careers. I'm talking about making sure that in your home, Christ is first and that in the lives of your children, Christ is first. Because, you know, That is the most important legacy and the only enduring legacy that we can leave for our children. I used to like to think that all the stuff that I collected, my girls would someday say, oh my goodness, this is really cool. Look at everything that dad has left for us. And basically what they will someday say is, oh my goodness, this is not cool. Look at what dad has left for us. And I recognize that those things that I value materially by way of earthly things, they are not what my children value. But the most important gift I can give them is the gift of a father who loves Jesus and an example of how they too should love and follow Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul is talking about nothing more than living your life as if eternity matters and not just this earth. Let me ask you a question today. Is that how you're living your life? Let's pray together. Gracious Father, how we thank you and praise you today for your word, powerful, powerful truth that you have Inspired for us to read and and so apply in our lives, Lord, I want to ask you very specifically today to do a number of things. First, to give to everyone here a hunger to get to know Jesus better than they do today. I pray, Lord, that that hunger would manifest itself to increased. Bible reading, increased praying, greater faithfulness in attending and worshiping and serving in your church because we recognize all of those are the ways that you've given us to get to know you. Lord, I pray that every Christian here would leave here with a greater hunger to know you. Secondly, I pray that you would do your work of convicting where we have been caught up in the gutter of earthly things and allowed sin to take the place of those things that are pleasing and honoring to you in our lives. Would you do that work of convicting and cleaning up and leading us back where we can set our minds on the things that truly do honor you? Lord, I pray that every Christian here would faithfully live out their lives in whatever sphere of influence you place them in, whatever place you, you set them in life, so that their primary identity would be that of Christian and people would see Christ in them. And then, Lord, I want to pray very specifically for the parents who are here today. And my prayer is that every mom and dad in this room today, and especially those who are raising children, right in the heart of raising their children, would first be fully surrendered to you and then would lead their own children to be fully surrendered to you. Now Jesus, these are things that we place into your hands and I'm not capable of accomplishing them, but I believe that you are and I believe that because of your sovereignty and your providential power, you will move and work in in these ways in the hearts and lives of people. Lord, we also want to pray today and we want to acknowledge that you are king. We respect, we pray for, we are grateful that you have raised up leaders in our earthly governments. We need them. But we recognize, Father, that those systems are broken and we recognize that ultimately you do not want us to look to those leaders, but rather to you as the true leader of our lives. You want us to be obedient to you And so, Lord, I pray that she'll fix her eyes on you, Jesus, that every one of us would exalt you as the true leader, Lord and King of our lives. In Jesus' name. Well, thanks for listening to today's message and choosing to spend some time with us. To get more information about Grace Community Church, our service times and location, check out our website at gccws.net.